0: Welcome to Escape from Plan A. Uh, This is a new episode uh, for this week. Sorry about being a little bit late, but we had, there there, there was um, a sort of major family uh, tragedy uh, for one of us, so we had to reschedule. Um, But we wanted to do this episode anyway. It's going to be a little bit, uh, I guess, by the seat of our, by the, uh, what is it? by the seat of, seat our of our pants. your pants by the seat of my our pants okay yeah and uh, whatever that's supposed to mean um but it's it's me teen uh we've got jess
1: and chris how are y'all doing what's, what's up yeah and knowing the origins of those types of pra- phrases i'm sure there is hideously bigoted uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably yeah somebody um, somewhere
2: suffered <laughs> for this um yeah yeah
1: um,
0: but we thought, okay, so there was this story, like, okay, so we we're thinking, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, we, we were going to do like a part two of that 90, you know, 1999 films episode, but thinking, what else could we talk about? And there is a story that someone had posted in the Patreon discord. Um, plug, the, it's, plug.
2: it's fun in there. You yeah, guys, it is fun in there. <laughs> you guys um, should join. It's really fun.
0: And it's a, it's an article in the daily mail. Uh, and the, and the title is surgeon divorcing beauty, queen wife over history of sex work. And it's a story about, I believe, a Korean American doctor, Doctor Han, Han Jo Kim. He's in New York City, and he's like a big time guy. He's, he's a spinal surgeon. He makes millions of dollars a year, and he married uh, Regina Turner, who's, uh, I guess, the, she was Miss Connecticut. Kind of okay. compete. She competed in Miss USA, and he found out, I guess, just through you know how just how people end up finding about stuff, uh, uh, an errant text or, or whatever um that she was uh, a high-priced escort sort of before when they were when they met throughout when they were dating and she continued to be uh an escort uh throughout their marriage and so he i guess ended up divorcing her and part of the record became public because in new york a lot of uh, divorce records generally are made public and so it is a common practice to scour the divorce docket to find uh you know, to find stories like this. Um, that's
2: gotta be a fun job. Yeah. <laughs> fun or depressing, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've known, uh, some people, uh, a, a, a partner at one of the firms that I was at, he, he was outed this way, um, through his, uh, divorce, his, uh, divorce, uh,
2: Stop outed it.
0: like outed as gay? Oh no no not not outed as gay, <laughs> but his divorce oh. was outed. His the the circumstances behind his divorce. Oh and, okay okay. You know, all the ter- I don't. There's no point in going the details, but all the terrible shit that came out. And uh, um, anyway, so this this was this was interesting. I mean, it's, it's important. I think it's worth noting that the beauty queen herself was white, and I say that because I immediately thought when I read this story, it immediately matched a pattern of. people that i know who are asian american and who are surgeons and specifically orthopedic surgeons uh this guy's a spinal surgeon Uh, i know another spinal surgeon actually met well don't know him that well but i i I know this spinal surgeon asian american and he married a former skinamax actress you know sort of like a not quite porn star but sort of like nude What's,
2: what's skinamax skinamax is
0: like back in the day when Cinemax would Try to compete with HBO by by doing like sort of soft core porn that that sort it's of that, masqueraded as as it's a that legit thing movie. that plays
1: at like one a.m. right and it's it's all very softly lit and you, you can tell something it's like this is not like a real quote unquote movie but yeah um, yeah like and, Red and,
0: Shoes Diary I don't know if that rings a bell but the thing I remember, with David Duchovny, I that. yeah oh, Red Shoes Diary. In that? yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah and so she was a Skinemax sort of actress and then he. Married her, and then I don't. Know if, the details are murky, but from what I understand from his friends, that ended up in a really acrimonious divorce where she actually burned his house down, uh, like <laughs> TLC style. <laughs> so his house got burned to the ground, uh, and it got on and on. I mean, this is a common thing among surgeons who are very sort of like alpha alpha bro type personalities, and in almost every case, they go for sort of a white trophy wife. And uh, usually there's some sort of fundamental problem there, you know, that gets uncovered shortly after anyway. Yeah. I brought this up just because, and I want you to, I I just want to kind of tee this up. Just this notion that like, there's these kind of things. I don't know. We all know stuff like this, right? Like we all know sort of patterns uh, about, you know, people, surgeons, Asian, like whatever, like just this shit people do the, the sort of like, funny sort of ridiculous uh tropes out there or maybe not even tropes but just like observations that we have about in this case the alpha bro asian american surgeon who finally once they're earning millions goes after the white trophy only to see the whole thing blow up in his face um just wanted to i don't know toss it in there as to say i think this is the kind of narrative that i don't see reflected but i wish i did i saw i saw it reflected in more like asian american stories you know <laughs> cuz i think they're hilarious
2: yeah i mean this starts i guess um I guess stories like this just start to like recapitulate stuff that I've seen uh, younger, like in my high school years. Like mm-hmm. I've been pretty open, but like like this, would, you know, for anyone new, like I grew up in a in a in a, a Asian supermajority uh, enclave um, that is very high income. Um, so my high school was is like it was like, at the time like 70 percent Asian uh, and the the vast majority of that 70 is, percent is Chinese um, Chinese or Taiwanese, etc. Uh, et cetera. Um, so I just get myself into like geopolitical hot water here. Okay. <laughs> so major super majority Asian, you know, um, that's, that's good enough for this. And a lot of those kids were actually very, you know, um, uh, most were like, like upper middle class, middle class, you know, like the children of working professionals, like doctors and lawyers. Um, there were quite a few like, uh, uh, w- like actual like wealthy kids, um, Uh, I learned the term later, but like Fuerdae, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct. Yeah, Uh, like, well, no, I'm not saying I know,
1: but I've I've heard of that term. Yeah,
2: Yeah, so, uh, so super rich kids, Um, it wasn't exclusive to them either. But like, it was a noticeable dynamic that the Asian kids on the whole were wealthier than, uh, than the other dynamic, the other uh, demographics. And that's basically just white, it was Asian and white, basically, that that was that those are basically the only two ethnicities present here so i'd noticed this for the for like guys they would they would go for like white cheerleaders or white like theater kids or something um like it was just a noticeable thing i didn't really have the like the language or the uh understanding to kind of process but i feel like as i've gotten older it's starting to kind of fall into place a little bit more um it's so really. It was actually kind of a strange. Like, I still don't quite know how to how to talk about it because there's just no like framework in place in the larger like discourse around this kind of thing. Um, but it'd be you like, mean like among
1: Asians or just
2: among like Asians, Americans. much okay. less even among Asians, much less like like forget about wider society or anything. But it'd be weird. It would be like a, a rich a rich kid driving you know his brand new BMW and he like hooks up with a like a cheerleader, but he won't like take her home, right? He won't like call her his girlfriend right um, like he won't let his parents meet her or something it was really it was kind of weird <laughs> mm-hmm. so and then like and like as you get older like you kind of see Like these, a lot of these guys a lot of these uh, all these people because you know it's a there's, there's money here so a lot of the kids you know have that support to go on to uh, to become you know higher earning professionals themselves and you just kind of see this play out over and over again with higher and higher stakes each time um and wait, wait, Jess, just,
1: so what confused you as a kid that these guys were going after like the blonde cheerleaders or the fact that they were kind of keeping them a, a, a secret because i would think that, the first the part secret. is okay because the first uh, part i would think is obvious In the, in you know we know what the social pecking order is and no see it's
2: all of that was stuff that i kind of had to like figure out like it wasn't apparent on the ground because um like like i said like 70%, possibly more um, Asian supermajority and the, the most and the wealthiest. Right. So the pecking order was inverted here. This is not the standard uh, whites at the top of the pecking order. Hmm. And in fact, like if you want to talk about like, like, and it, so it was the fact that they would want to hook up, but wouldn't take them home. Like they wouldn't call these girls their girlfriends. They wouldn't really uh, claim them as such. Like I know more than more than a few guys who would fool around with these girls, but like the girl that they called their girlfriend would be like another Asian girl or something. Right. Those would be the, the the like the girls that they introduced to their parents or something. Right, but this um, uh, so that was a yeah. So this, it was a it was kind of it was it was just weird to see. Um, there was no like there was no resentment that you know like. Or like some understanding, like well, of course they'd go for them because you know they're they're the you know a treasured um, that, that's the treasured demographic or anything. I didn't really think that, and I I mean I I'm not those guys, so maybe they had that feeling. I don't know. Uh, there's definitely an allure because they did it. They did want they sought uh, these girls out to uh, to fool around with, um, but like it just never. But as kind of um, like hookups never anything uh past that um
1: yeah, cuz i was just comparing it to the story of uh hanjo kim he's like the extreme opposite in which he got married uh you know like if you if those guys were just fooling around but never committing this guy committed all the way to the point where he's like regretting it now now that he he yeah. like finds out the truth which i think is more realistic and and probably more uh just cuz like you, you look at the story and and you the I think typical um, thing would be, oh, you know, of course, if an Asian guy gets the the Miss Whatever State, um, like a beauty queen, there's got to be something wrong with her. It, it, like, she's like... I thought the fact that she was still a uh, uh, high escort while they were married was the, the real... I mean, like, the, I, I thought that was like uh, like the ethics of... If your partner uh, had, had a history of sex work, I mean that, that that's like that's such a complicated area. But but you know if if they are seeing other people and sleeping with that's just like well that's just called cheating. So I thought that was the more uh, glaring thing. Yeah, I thought that divorce. was a, that was
2: a like I just saw the headline. Then the headline is uh um wait let me pull that up. Where is it? A surgeon divorcing beauty queen wife over history of sex work so i read that and i was like oh what like okay maybe she just did okay what oh that's 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 unfortunate you know that would it would have been nice to see him be open-minded to that and then you click and it turns out that's not even half the story um like she did that before uh but it was i think the more important part is that she did sex work during the marriage
1: yeah because you, you look at the headline it it makes it look like she did it in the past but then
2: yeah he's just, uh, just it's being, being kind of like close-minded it, and you know like like a little regressive in his principles maybe um yeah it makes know. it look
1: like pretty woman except richard gear uh dumps julia roberts you know that that's yeah. what it seems like it's but, kinda, and the headline picture
2: is like her in a bikini smiling her fix like in in like Fixing a bike, all looking like the girl next door, and Mister, you know Daniel Day Kim's jawline, Doctor Daniel <laughs> Day Kim's jawline, uh, right there. So it's kind of like, oh well, what? And then you click on it, and it's like, what is what was up with this marriage? Holy hmm. shit! Like,
1: <laughs> this because yeah, it's this like, was, this well, a if weird he,
2: situation.
1: Yeah, because if he's so well off, why is she still doing this work? And then I think the average reader will be like, oh well, of course she she married him for his money and and does probably doesn't even want to like sleep with him that's why she's like doing i don't know it's it's it has this like um kind of uh you know setting up this like asian guy as like in the end still nobody nobody really wants him even even his beauty queen wife uh not only uh was a sex worker but is a sex worker while they're married despite the fact that she probably doesn't need the money i mean if he's doing so well yeah, it's just it's yeah. just so
2: weird so like i mean the the article even just mentions uh dr kim made uh 3.2 million 3.2 million dollars in 2018 uh, they own an Upper East Side apartment ooh, and a waterfront home on Long Island. Um, okay, that's that's quite a bit of money, I'd say. And the and you know they but you know early in the article talks about you know led a secret life as a high end hooker earning seven hundred thousand dollars over like five years. Now that's a that's still a good chunk of money, but it's like compared to her husband's salary over that same period of time. Like, yeah. what was going on? Yeah,
1: what's going on? Like, uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Belle du Jour? No. Okay, so it's, it's this uh, French movie. Uh, it stars... Um, I forget her name. Maybe it's Catherine Deneuve or something. But essentially, she's like this very upper-middle-class, happy housewife who just decides to become a sex worker she's bored. Like, are we talking about that kind of situation? It's um. There's a lot of stuff going unsaid here. But as Teen said, that's what makes this interesting. But, you know, this is the stuff you only see on tabloids and um it it's just yeah you, you won't see this definitely not in a novel you will not see this in a novel you'll not see this in a movie um and it's like why why not this this is isn't this the kind of stuff people like
2: yeah i would think i mean i i imagine i imagine stories like this is, are going to become more commonplace this is juicy
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even that new. Remember, uh, I remember watching the Enron documentary. And uh, in the end, the only guy who got away was Lu Pai, who was the the Chinese American guy. Yeah, that's right. And he divorced his uh, Chinese wife for, I think, like some stripper in Dallas. And I I think as far as we know, he's living happily on some island. Well, he owes
2: her. Tina, I think you, you you were talking about this a long time ago but like uh, but because of that acrimonious divorce where he had to, and he had to like pay a, a huge amount of money to her he actually and so he actually cashed out of his uh his stake in Edron, right. yeah something um, like, like that. shortly before the uh the shortly before it all fell apart so yeah. he like walked away with uh, hundreds of millions of dollars um and didn't get caught up in that whole mess. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, sometimes sometimes it works out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not all it's it's not all tragedy. Sometimes it works out.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh what? remember, Courtney Stodden? She was in the news a few, maybe it was already a month, couple of months ago. She was the one who essentially uh brought down Chrissy Teigen. So you know, I will always be thankful to her for that. But she was the one who married like about ten or so years ago. That that creepy prison guard from the Green Mile when she was like sixteen, and he was fifty. Uh she's uh, married to a new guy now, a uh, 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 Asian guy. Um I think I think Philip kind of knows of him uh in the tech world or something and I mean th- that's that's got volatility written all over it. Uh so that's another data point.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Teen, where are you going with this?
1: With what? The
0: the whole <laughs> the <laughs> Hanjo Kim story? Yeah. Um I don't know. It's just another one of those stories where, like, (laughs) the sort... Do you remember that other... I've I've mentioned this in passing in a few pods in the past, but there was, like, uh, this big major sting up in the Seattle area for these, like, uh, I think, like, Chinese and Korean uh, brothels that were Uh, servicing tech workers, like, from Microsoft and stuff. Like, Seattle area tech workers. And they got caught because... Apparently, they wanted to, uh, in order to, like, qualify to go there, you had to provide proof of employment at Microsoft. <laughs> they, like, only wanted Microsoft Seriously? workers. Yeah. So you had to send them an email from your Microsoft From account, your... No. Right. To prove that you were at Microsoft, right? Which, from their end, kind of makes sense in a way, but Okay, I think...
2: if you're stupid enough to fall for that, that's on you.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think these stories about our are, are people being intelligent, but mm-hmm. um, uh, what was I saying? The 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 point being that when I first saw this story, I was like pretty convinced that most of the workers were going to be Asian. And I think I don't know ultimately how many people they arrested, but the names when I read the story, the names of I think they had four names of like the guys. Uh, who procured the sex work. And I think three of them were Asian. Like one of them had an Indian name and then two of them had like either Korean or Chinese names. And um, I don't know. It just, that was another thing where it was like, and and, and, in a lot of discussions about Silicon Valley, like the kink pod that we just did on the bonus feed, uh, talks about this sort of like sex work underworld of Silicon Valley. And just this sort of like, the shadow that this sort of like underworld of sex sort of projects into uh, the sort of like brightly, you know, the brightly lit archetype of the Asian American corporate achiever. You know, like the the Asian American. What I'm saying is, like a lot of times we say stuff like, "Oh, the Asian. We need to bust the Asian model minority myth," and it's always like, not all of us are. Uh, you know lawyers doctors or engineers there are some of us who are artists and writers and actors right like that 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 was I think what it what the reaction to this used to be but I think that the far more interesting thing because I think actors writers can often be much more boring than doctors lawyers engineers if well, yeah. you know especially
1: if they come through some kind of like uh graduate program like the mFAs that the MFAs is essentially like like a jd for writers you're going through some kind of Uh, academic approval process with some kind of um authorities you got to suck up to with with a certain like industry that you're trying to break into so and and, you know you're gonna be school almost all your life there what possible interesting thing can you find out when when you're living in syracuse uh for like three years uh and and just you know going to school a class every day and writing in a cafe
0: yeah i mean i think um it was it, it's it's instead of saying like oh you know I'm not the model minority Asian because I didn't go down these these well tread well beaten paths of what a model minority Asian nerd you know is is supposed to do that if you were to actually peek into the lives of those people you would find that they had usually I think pretty uh pretty hidden dark sides. Cause I got a lot of Asian friends. Yes. I got a lot of Asian guy friends. I got a lot of Asian guy friends who are married with kids. And let's, let's just put it this way. Like all is not as it seems, I'm going to put it that way. You know, it's not all is not as it seems. And these are great stories that I think they're not just entertaining and hilarious and kind of sad because of like what kind, what they reveal about, you know, you know, the sort of like, you know, how fallible people really are. Uh, but they, but I think they're good learning. They're they're good lessons involved in these stories. Like they're worth telling because you can actually learn things from them. You know, about character flaws and and things like that. And we just, I don't know. I, I feel I I would want to see that uh, more of that storytelling uh, about Asians. Another one, like for example, um, do you remember? You know, Gia Tolentino, the mm. Filipino American writer, over at, I think the New Yorker, and. She got caught on Twitter
2: child of traffickers.
0: Yes, her parents yeah. were involved in some sort of like weird you know visa scam where they were like placing uh Fili- Filipino people seeking residency in the US into these somewhat fraudulent teaching programs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And sort of like you know yeah. var- var- operation Varsity Blues that whole thing mm-hmm. uh but for but for um you know Filipinos who wanted to come over to the US and she sort of like denied it and she didn't want to talk about it and she she just you know but there was like a whole like I think there was an indictment involved there I know the FBI investigated and I'm like those are the stories we should know you know like those kind of because every one of us I feel knows that there was some shady shit going on within the Asian American community how we made our money where our money came from Uh, you know, what, What uh, you know, Mr. Kim or whatever. Yeah, and what was Dr. Kim doing all those nights? Oh, everyone, you know, like all this shit to me is the stuff that those are the stories that should be told. And, you know, the idea that there is a certain, you know, this sort of like archetype of the Asian model minority as being a very boring, unadventurous person is only true to the extent that I think it's an archetype, but that doesn't mean... Like an archetype in a person is different, right? So the archetype is incomplete, but oftentimes you'll find that, or usually I think, that the opposite of that is not a different Asian American person who decided to take a different path, so to speak, but really it's inside that same person. You know, and uh, that's, I guess when I saw this, I was just like, you know, you guys see this sort of like, you know, very well put together Korean American surgeon, doctor, you know, he spent his good, I was reading up on him a little bit on the HSS website. And it says like, he spent a good, good amount of time over in Ghana, doing a lot of, um, you know, free surgeries to kind of, uh, you know, develop his practice and stuff. And I'm like, wow, this guy's infallible, you know, and then you, you read this and you're like, oh, you know, real, real life applies to everyone. And so I just thought that um that, that was
1: Yeah, the uh, a good the novel uh, Free Food for Millionaires, which I really like. I, I wrote a piece about it for Plan A a couple of years ago. There okay, spoilers if if you people who haven't read this novel, um skip like the last next like little bit. But actually, the the main like male character in there is a guy named Ted. He is this like high flying banker type, fast tracked to managing partner status, whatever whatever like the coveted job in that field is. So he uh, at the start is is engaged to this like very like prim and proper Korean American woman. But in the end, he ends up marrying. and He kind of like realizes the true love of his life is uh, the secretary named Delia, who is kind of known around the office as being like the kind of like the um what's what's her name Christina Hendricks character in Mad Men what's her Joan right Joan yeah Joan Ho- Holloway. Holloway or something she's kind of like yeah, yeah she's kind of like that character like she she flirts a lot she's definitely slept with with a f- uh, bunch of them and in, in the end he realizes that all along um he's tried to he thought his, his proper path was supposed to be with um you know the, the proper Korean American one, but but he, he finds out that all you know he went to the right schools, he has the proper job, but he's kind of you know quote unquote dirty, and and he kind of likes her because of that. So there's there's actually and I really like that novel because it does explore that kind of side. There's also this whole thing with the the church, Korean American church, all these like shady under underpinnings with that. And we're gonna talk about you know crying in H Mart, uh, you know, in a future episode. I don't want to talk too much about that, but th- I mean that's why I just can't stand those types of things so much because it's always about. Uh, it like someone like, uh, like the kind of people who who think those stories are so groundbreaking are are the ones who would look at the characters of Free Food for Millionaires and most of them are kind of like uh, typical Asian Americans. Uh, the protagonist Casey, she's uh, she also wants to like work work at a bank or, or whatever, and they'll be they think I'm so much better than these Asian Americans because I uh, play in an indie band uh, or whatever. Yet uh, I I read what you're writing and it's the most just. It's so boring. You're you're talking about you're like mythologizing fucking H Mart. It's like how? anyway. I'll save it for that podcast. But so that's yeah. So uh, actually, Tim, maybe you should read that book if you, if you wanna if you want stories like well,
2: this. I'll just say um, like. uh as far as that goes, like, like, it's, it's very clear that there are a lot of people for whom this stuff does resonate. So I definitely don't want to like shit all over that for people who do find meaning and validation um, for that. But again, if we're talking about like, you know, media, like if Asians aren't a monolith, um, we seem to, we do seem to have a fairly monolithic set of representation. Um, mm mm-hmm. So all I all I can say about that is um, that kind of storytelling or that kind of that specific style of story um, is not one that actually resonates all that much with me like it doesn't, it doesn't connect with, uh, if I think about the most dynamic people, and the most dynamic stories um, uh, in my life, it certainly doesn't look like that. So, you know, I don't want to say, like, we shouldn't be reading that or, you know, people shouldn't find meaning and stuff like that. Absolutely not. I think at best, what I would be saying is there's there's a suspicious gap in in talk in not, there's it's almost in aggregate. It's like a, it's like an intentional high, like um, I hate the word erasure, but it's like an intentional <laughs> unwillingness to look at that particular side of who we are Um embedded in this society
1: no i think you're 100 correct in that I, I totally agree with you. i'm not saying nobody should ever be able to to tell that it's just like why is this the only thing we can say uh you know um when um we were doing the uh the unverified accounts but we 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 said the same thing about mirari which we thought was a beautiful movie but it's just like why 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 are we watching Minari, Why are we making Minari in Asian America? meanwhile you know, in Korea, they're making I a
0: parasite. I think it's interesting that um. Well, when... I, an answer. I
2: think I have an answer to that. But teen go ahead.
0: No, go 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 ahead.
2: Oh, uh, sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, my, my take is that there actually is kind of like a like there might be you know like the five stages, right of grief. Um, I think I think this is just a part of like uh, like process of just becoming americans here um i think there is i think I, it makes a lot of sense that there <laughs> like is this a, kind of like
0: like we're in denial and then we have to go to the bargaining and
2: <laughs> i think so well i mean look like like i i mean it's, it's i know it sounds it's it is kind of ludicrous on on in one no sense, it, make, but I, I,
0: I, I, it makes surface sense to me it's just hilarious oh, this yeah. idea that being american um, is a tragedy to. <laughs>
2: But Safe like process. we talked, we mentioned this a couple times, right? Talking about like between two worlds, like oh, I'm, I'm neither. I'm I belong to two cultures. Eh? I'm I feel stuck in the middle. This is actually a very polite, uh, a very uh, flattering self conception that I feel is also entirely untrue. Um, I think the real story is we are absolutely, uh, for the most, the vast majority of us are fully embedded in uh, in where we are in the diaspora. If you are an Asian American, you're you're more Amer- way more American than you're Asian. Uh, and the part of you that is Asian is uh, is tethered to a lost time and place. Um, I think it's a it's a deep it's a it's either it's it's kind of it might be your American arrogance actually that leads you to think that you are actually trapped equidistant from both worlds. This implies not knowing Asia all that well and um, and kind of diminishing that in comparison to uh, what you know of America. And this is, a, I guess this is a human tendency. You don't know what you don't know. Um, it's just a, and chauvinism is just when you overvalue what you do think you know, right? So, but the acceptance that you are not actually trapped between two worlds is kind of, it's actually kind of hard to take. Uh, I, like, its it sucks for me to have to admit it, right? There is a deep sense of loss in that, Right. Like we we talk about we briefly allude to like hauntology. I think the children of immigrants, uh, this is this is this is our psychology. Like uh, seeing like belonging to one fork in the road, but being able to see pretty clearly what the uh, what a different road could have looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anf- I mean, like I agree accepting that, that that's a road you can't that does that that it's through no choice of your own. You don't get to walk down that road. Um I think that's a, there's an element of, of sadness that has to be confronted there. And there's yeah, also the, the, the it's also another like and there's another element of sadness is is saying okay fine fuck I actually am you know a, a way American um shit um and then to have to acknowledge that you do exist as a second class citizen in that sense you fully belong to this this uh, culture and this society this is what you've internalized this is what this is who you are but uh the dominant people in the society do not do not recognize that in you um that's yeah, that's all tough that, to all take yeah all that makes
1: sense yeah all that makes sense uh that but that also doesn't mean that there i get the sense that the people who believe in that also uh, don't want any other viewpoints and that goes to what you were saying that it's fine that these exist but there's there's that gap and i think that gap um it's being enforced, I think, by, you know, the, like white people in power and, and like the Asian-Americans they like for, for you know various reasons. I think I think they want their grief ridden, um, like sad boy, sad girl stuff to be the only thing. And maybe it's because they fear competition. Maybe they think there's like not enough space for everyone. So they, they got to like, just take up as much of the stage as they can. But I'd be fine if there was like a plurality, but it just doesn't seem to be that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe just as a like, okay, like right now, um, Asian Americans tend to be fairly young, uh, right? Like most of us are still uh, like the millennials, the Gen Xers. Well, second uh, gen
1: is definitely there's not that many old second generations. Yeah, you know.
2: yeah, fairly a fa- fairly young group. Maybe not like in aggregate age, but in ter- in terms of like time, fully rooted to uh, like uh, the West like the Western countries in the diaspora. I'm trying to not just say Asian American because that's it's it's, I think it's a more, I think it, it can be ex- more expansive than that, but like Asian diaspora, right? Second generation, Asian diaspora. Still fairly young. Um, And one, else, like I, I didn't read crying and yet. I did catch, I did catch uh, her podcast um, with uh, young me mayor. Uh, what's it feeling Asian? Um, and I actually thought it was an interesting, it was an, it, it was an interesting conversation, right? Um, so Michelle's Honor is actually talking about something that, uh, most of us who are fairly young, um, uh, you know, will eventually probably have, will, it ha- will have to grapple with, you know? Um, and so she's talking about something very real, which is the death of a parent, right? And not only the death of a parent, the death of the parent that, that represents, uh, the what little tenuous connection you have to your, you know, your, your mother culture. Right. I mean, it's not really your mother culture. It's more like just uh, the fork in the road that you don't get to walk. Right. Uh, Your parents from your parents are your link to that. Right. Um, So as trite as it might seem and as sad, you know, and and melancholy and kind of navel-gazy as it gets, uh, I don't want to discredit that it's something very real right um like uh like it did cause me to think about some things like i do rely on my parents a lot you know if um uh, you know if, if i if i want something translated or i want some explanation for a word or something i call my mom i talk to my dad um if i don't have that you know some i will have lost not only just the pain of a parent but uh, the pain of a connection to a culture that i can't really claim is my own on my own, on, you know, on on the strength of my own, you know, being, basically. Um, So, you know, I'm I'm getting, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little off track here. But what I am saying is, like, like, going back to, like, it makes sense that the media kind of has to track this sort of psychological process. So it made a lot of sense to me, actually, that, uh, uh, that, like, um, like, Minari and, uh, what was her? Shit. Aquafina. The farewell. The farewell. It actually made a lot of sense to me that these two movies were like predominantly Asian language. Uh, this this caused some some minor controversy, right? When it came to award seasons, right? The farewell was uh, was uh, was um, like at least half the dialogue was in Mandarin. Uh, Minari, uh, basically all the dialogue was in Korean, right? Um, very much American movies um, to me. And to anyone who's really, you know, who's really paying attention, but it actually made a lot of sense to me that these would still be stories about navigating, navigating the, navigating loss in some sense, because it is a loss. And I think there's a particular pain in, uh, in confronting the diaspora side of the identity, because I don't think it's a, it's a fully formed identity. So when people are talking about, oh, I don't feel assimilated. um, I think that's also a fiction I think part of it, it's not that, I don't think it's that you feel, you don't feel assimilated. I think it's, it's, it's the pain of assimilating into something that feels flimsy or not, not sufficient, uh, yeah. not, yeah, not no, as no- fully fleshed out, not as, uh, spiritually, and emotionally like whole as, uh, as what our parents left behind and ditched on our behalf, you know, without our say.
1: Yeah, no no that's uh, that's real. There are a lot of other things that are real too. But I want to save that for for the actual uh, Crying in HMR podcast. Oh, I I want to get back to this uh <laughs> I surgeon... won't be on
2: that one. So I'm not I yeah, I don't want to oh, okay. I don't want
1: to. Okay. Yeah, um so... but going back to this like surgeon story, um okay, l- l- let's just let's just pretend that the uh, the story uh was that he found out that his his wife used to be a uh, keyword used to be uh a sex worker as a uh, like a high high priced a call girl kind of thing um the thing that got me thinking about that was the line between you know when we think like when i was growing up sex work meant being a streetwalker you know you watch those types of you know movies like like uh leaving las vegas or pretty woman and and you you that's what you think sex work is and there's obviously various shades of it but you know we didn't have only fans we didn't have the, the person would send you nudes if you send them cash app through instagram you know that that's like is that sex work? That's all like a, it's all kind of a debate going on right now. But it's like, what are the ethics? Like, if you uh, find out your partner whether it's heterosexual, same sex, whether it's the man or the woman, whatever, you find out your partner was doing that, like, what are we supposed to feel these days? Especially when uh, sex work isn't as clear cut as, as we once thought it was. Well, what do you guys think?
0: I, think it's, I mean, it's the exchange of exchange of sexual services for money. You know. Yeah. Is it? Is it, is it that mysterious? I don't know. I mean, no, maybe th- that's there's not, different that's forms not the, of
1: No, that's not the thing. It, more, mean, are more you it's asking, like, like, your...
2: like is, should someone see? What are you asking? I'm not, I'm not actually entirely clear.
1: Like, how justified are you in, in like, breaking up with someone because of, of they did something like that? So I
2: think you're totally justified. I, you, you can yeah.
0: have your own standards about, around this, you know? No. I mean, th- th- you know, I think the debate about sex work that we've, we've gone into in the pod is, is really about legality and criminality. But that—that's not, you know, criminality is not the uh, a standard that, you know, uh, criminality basically is. Do you deserve to have freedom? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, do, have you crossed the line until you shouldn't even be a free person anymore? Whereas, yep. you know, we're talking about personal standards and what you find acceptable, you know, and and people are free. You could yeah, be a much I mean, you be as Prudish, yeah. You could be as prudish or as open to this stuff as you want. Um, that's your freedom to your, that's your right. You know, I just, I just am of the opinion that there should not be, um, you know, a lot of pressure put on someone to take on a certain point of view. Otherwise they don't have the correct viewpoint. I think they there. It's, it's very much a personal, you know, personal choice.
2: That's yeah. I, I mean, and like you said, like what counts, what you can't make a proclamation like that. Like what counts as sex work? I don't know. Uh, there's a huge range of things, and just and the only, there's no way to draw a hard line because that's dependent on the person and the people involved.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's in his right to the doctor to to say that he he doesn't, you know, this changes how he views his. I mean, is he being on—I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's well, really I motivating mean, this? Like but... the
2: the difference between the title and the article, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that's a pretty telling—it's um, a pretty telling framing of the issue, right? The one issue is how should he have felt? How do we, you know, the gossip loving judgment uh, judgment loving audience feel about a high uh, a high christ surgeon ditching a wife because he thought she did had done sex work in the past but the issue here is something very different It says she was doing sex work while they were married i think is the is the is the more salient point here yeah that's what um, i would be
1: more pissed off about if yeah so
2: if you know this is if like if you boil it this is i mean divorce is a legal construct so let's boil it down so like if a marriage is a, is a is a contract then between two people um in his opinion she violated the terms of that contract which probably was you know sexual fidelity um blah 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 right uh so i mean yeah if if she if he feels she did not she violated the contract that they had with each other then um why, what are we supposed to say about that nothing
1: yeah I th- I think the headline was uh, specifically trying to uh, rile up two camps. So one camp would be uh the women who especially I think if if they've ever like dabbled like in in that kind of very let's say light form of sex work where you you know exchanging like nudes or or like videos for whatever you you got Venmo uh, being like, oh, this guy's a pig. Uh, I'm sure his race doesn't help. Like, uh, you know, this is so typical of, of those those Eastern men, you know, that they want their wives to be like virgins or whatever. Uh, and then the guys uh, will get riled up be like, oh, you know, she's such a hoe. You know, you can't, you can't trust women uh, these days. Um, like everybody on Tinder is either just out for a free meal or just trying to fleece you. So, it's yeah, the headline was clearly engineered to, to, to get, looks in there because if, if you the story of it is if you were if <laughs> you're married to someone who was uh engaged in sex work during your marriage uh how can anyone uh be against that that's like that's you know that's just cheating it's like uh, totally within the right to to be like no that that's that's no good
2: yeah cheated, she cheated on him She cheated on him and apparently, like, this marriage, I don't know, this sounds like a very weird marriage yeah. where but she, like, she was able to do, like, it goes into some details on, you know, who her clients were and, you know, the extent of uh, the relation, you know, the relationship she had uh, with these these clients outside her marriage. And it's, like, just thinking, like, the logistics, like, um, like, you guys must not have been spending that much time together if she's, if she's able to even do this.
1: Well, if she truly were a trophy wife, maybe, maybe he, like couldn't stand talking to her or something. Or I maybe mean, he was like, cheating
2: on her, you know? I mean, I mean you just never probably very you just never know. Um yeah, I just thought one unlikely. just have just knowing how this shit works, I just thought one detail was hilarious. Um like uh, so the court documents they claimed she had to make frequent weeks long works trips to China relating to a clothing app she was developing. It's like no, nobody nobody needs to go to China for weeks on end to develop an app.
1: Wait, so oh. were her clients like Chinese billionaires or something no, no
2: I think she was just saying that to, oh, to say okay. oh I'll be in China for a couple of weeks uh, oh, to see. work on my app and then was apparently like and was you know probably like it seems like it's it's implying that she was engaged in sex work during that time
1: that would be an interesting wrinkle if all if most of her clients were also other Asian men that that'd be uh...
2: <laughs> that'd be interesting <sighs> oh but, yeah. you know I mean like <sighs>
1: have you ever seen the have you ever seen the show
0: Bosch about it's an I think it's an Amazon series about. Gosh, who's in that? I've heard of it. Uh, I forgot his name. He's a very distinctive looking actor. Um, he kind of looks like Roy Williams, uh, the coach. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there. I mean, I, I'm just bringing this this up because there is like a there's like a plot. There's like a sort of like side plot about his ex wife having married like this really rich Chinese guy, and it pisses him off to no end. <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> His wife has to go to Vegas. She speaks Chinese, I think. And so she has to go to Vegas or she, she works in Vegas now, like sort of being like, you know, the the like the, the high stakes casino docent to uh, Chinese billionaires. If you're interested in such a story, it's it's a pretty decent series, too. Yeah, um, I saw
2: I, I saw a couple of episodes just to like look at just to look at his house. It was an, it's an oh, he has house. an amazing
1: house. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, You mean the character in the show? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. He
0: has a house in the Hollywood Hills and it's like uh, really nice, but you know, okay. So going back to, um, I was going to say this earlier, um, about like narrative constraints and, and the, and the lack of such stories, you know, I think about that movie 21, which I never saw by the way, but if it had been an Asian American movie, which the story of underlying it is an Asian American story about kids from MIT, going to uh, Vegas and other spots to do card counting, uh, using those uh, those quantitative minds of theirs to go cheat at cards. Um, Did you
2: know that, that uh, yeah, it was like, um, because of the casting, uh, because of student protest, they weren't allowed to film on the campus?
1: At MIT? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's, that was like the genesis of like media representation, if you think about it. I remember... What I I must have maybe been in like high school when, so I I knew of that. I was like, oh, this is such bullshit, and I really can't think of anything that came before that that really got that kind of momentum going. So it was it was kind of like the uh, the epicenter of of all that. Yeah. So
2: I don't think anyone I don't think anyone reported on on it, but it was like I remember like signing the petitions and shit. Um, Like so, like they weren't allowed to film. Uh, they were going to for like authenticity uh, to actually film in like the rooms that were used by the, by the, by the club. Um, And like, they, they just pulled it. So I think they just have exterior shots, Mm. like licensed exterior shots.
0: So you're saying that like the students wanted this story to be remain an Asian American story. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really interesting because this is a, this is a story about students committing crime. Mm-hmm. Right and it it goes back, I think to that but, like
2: it was a point of pride for us, right, like beating the house, come on,
1: yeah, nobody right? likes casinos, everyone cheers they, they, they ocean's eleven, nobody cheers for andy Garcia in in ocean's yeah. eleven
2: and this was this was our crew that that uh this is our crew that that did this, so their story should be told with uh, with some amount of with some amount of respect for the truth right with, right, it's... which
0: is which exactly I think what you're saying goes towards. The notion that there actually might be an external constraint on these darker characters and stories about Asian Americans, because those are the stories that actually quote humanize you and also sort of sort of elevate you to the to the to the level of maybe hero or something. Like there has to you, you can't just be uh, you can't just be Steven Universe from Minari. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be the long suffering uh you know you know man who never breaks straight
2: jacketed yeah yeah um, like
0: suffering for everyone and and the love you know you can't be that guy you you know you have to have that other thing and it, it makes me think about when Better Luck Tomorrow came out and that white guy was sh- basically shouting down the filmmakers saying you had one you had this brilliant chance to represent your community and this is how you want to do it. And, of course, you know we and we've talked about this many times, and then Ebert spoke Roger Ebert spoke up and said they they don't have to represent shit. They can tell whatever stories they want now i've I've always been squarely on the side of Roger Ebert there, but I think in the long term, the other white guy won out that we do fundamentally believe now, like when we talk about Asian American media representation that we want to quote humanize ourselves and we want to show uh, ourselves in um, um a quote, humanizing light where our, you know, deeper compassion and, you know, love and all the positive stuff is allowed to see is allowed to be shown and and displayed. And I think I can't blame Asian people for thinking that that's what's missing. But I think, especially well, let's not st- that it's,
1: it's Asian Americans who are doing this, right? Because we, we Asian Asians are are doing whatever the hell they want. It's like Asian Americans who feel like we, we nobody yeah, loves just, us enough, yeah, so we yeah, got yeah. we got to earn that love by yeah
0: yeah yeah. I, good I'm people. not saying Asian Americans. I just it's just too long, so I just say. Asian, but, well, I yeah. think uh, media um, in
2: general. So I think everyone, after a certain point, for everyone, media pivoted towards propaganda, right? As soon as no, good representation you look at white people, black thing, people,
1: it's all, yeah. It's all, so, it all I want to get into now, this
2: yeah. more in the the part two for the 99 movies. But to me, it makes so much sense why Better Luck Tomorrow was made around that time in that roughly the same cohort and in that roughly the same psychological space mm-hmm. uh, that, the, that the movies of 1999 uh, were made in. And then why it couldn't, some, something like that could absolutely not be made right now. Uh, because my contention uh, is. That was the epitome of actually exploring, um, exploring the shadow side of of modern psychology uh, in America. After that point, I think the shadow side moved to the internet and media turned into propaganda.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh,
2: so in that sense, we see a, a huge divergence. Um, in how in how represent, quote representation uh, that, plays out,
0: I think that's true, but I also think that there is a specific constraint placed on non-white people.
2: I I think so too. That
0: that that I think that uh, we're misunderstanding um, the nature of being like having sort of a protagonist or the nature of an antihero, um, and what resonates in America. I mean, this might be very peculiar to America. I don't know. I I think it's probably a little bit more universal. But the things that we want, that we say we want out of media representation, I think, uh, help to enforce an already existing boundary that if we were to try and press against it, we would find. Is that uh, white people don't want you to tell these stories about yourself. They don't want to. They, they don't, don't want to see you. They don't want to see you tell stories about how you were bad and got away with it, or how you cheated the system. Yeah, because
1: only they can do that.
0: Or, right. Exactly. You, only. Only they're allowed to be assholes, and uh, they're only they're allowed to be you know uh, comically truly
2: autonomous people with free will. Self
0: serving. You know, yeah. comically arrogant, um, and to be funny and almost heroic while doing it. Uh, only they're allowed to be like that. And so, and so I think that, you know, the, the, the push by Asian American media activists to say that, you know, what we need in, in America to in order to uh, alleviate our suffering, in order to stop being discriminated against and attacked is that we need better media rep, which is something that I've he- I heard in the immediate aftermath of all those attacks when, the, when it first started is, oh, you know, the problem is that we were never fully humanized on screen and stuff. I'm like you know maybe that's true to an extent, but I think that the way they talking about being humanized is very
1: wrong. It's not right. It's, it's, it's they're it's not talking simplistic. about simplistic. They're not being talking about being humanized. They're talking about being lovable. That's what they. That's what they should. If they're being honest, that's what they say. Valuable. Like. Yeah, that that even better Pitiable. Remember, remember that famous scene in um Fresh Prince of Bel Air when when Will like asks Uncle Phil because his dad just left him. He's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, how come you don't love me, man?" That mm-hmm. that's like the the minority mindset in America, uh, especially Asian Americans. We're like, "Why don't they love us?" And mm-hmm. it it's such a just supplicating position to be in because yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to be fully human, uh, you gotta you gotta run the whole uh, range of humanity. But you, you could, they, we're only striving to be you know our our most pathetic our most needy or most just just lovesick and if you are like the dominant group or whatever you love seeing that because you can just you can just fuck with these people whenever you want
0: yeah and i think that that that's a problem generally in woke culture now which is that i think there's an extra amount of burden actually placed on non-white people to be quote woke to be to adopt the 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 sort of i mean i think it's the kind of victim mentality that the liberal uh, dominant culture uh, expects uh, non-white people to 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 live to internalize. Yeah, that's why all this like and, you know
1: so-called Black Renaissance stuff is so boring. It's, yeah, and meanwhile,
0: sucks. meanwhile, I think it's exactly the cishet straight white man or whatever that doesn't have the pressure to do that because the the entire discourse assumes that the cis-het cis, straight white man doesn't care about any of this shit. Right, And so in a way, this is said straight white man is free to continue telling and stories and living lives that are, are, that are not constrained by constantly making sure that everything you say is not in violation of the normative, uh, the normative demands of woke liberal culture, which is a very difficult thing to do. And you see c- people constantly having to apologize for having made a mistake and all this stuff. And it is, like, as much of a cultural straitjacket, in my opinion, if, if not even more, than religion. Because at least with religion, it's easy to denounce it. With this stuff, it's, like, there's, you can't even denounce it. It's just sort of, like... Well, if, if you're, as, like,
1: on, on the left, that is. If you're, on, if you're like, conservative, I'm sure...
0: Well, well if, you're not a, if you're not a straight white man, right? Because if you're not a straight white man and you denounce it, then you're just seen as, like, crazy. Like, why would you oppose a system that's here for your benefit? Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas at least with the said straight white man, it's kind of like, wait, this is this is all of course you'd reject it. This is all in opposition to you. So even if you reject it and we hate you for it, at least it makes sense that you're doing it. Whereas if you're not a white man, then, you know, suddenly you're a bad POC. You're not even helping yourself. You're hurting or you. you're working against yourself. You know, it's it's extremely frustrating, I think, uh, for people who, one, don't really care about the sort of like bipolar the bipart, the bi- bipolar, hyperpartisan uh, political culture, which is just quite boring, um, and at the same time, wish that you know we could talk more in truths that we see, including like you know personal truths and stuff. And people are really like, you know, people are not woke; they're not woke. <laughs> you know, people no, don't this- act.
1: You know. Yeah, this, like, straight jacket you're talking about, it, it ruined Gossip Girl. Like, that show, the original is not, like, good anyway, but they somehow sucked all the life and fun out of it. Yeah. Um, it it's like, if you can ruin that, uh, I mean, think of all, all the uh, other things it's ruining. Yeah, I mean, it, I do I do think
0: that it has a chilling effect on expression in much the same way that religion had. But it's it's even more out of control because... Like I said, with religion, it's like you kind of know where it's coming from, and you know the, you know, you, you you know that there's an in and an out, and you know you can leave the church and you can reject it, and you can. Here, I just think it's 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 the same sort of moralizing, but you don't even know where the bully pulpit is. It's it's just coming from everywhere all at once, and you're not sure why. And the second you reject it, you're automatically branded as, you know, uh, especially if you're not white, you're basically branded as insane. You're like, why, why would you ever believe in anything but this? This is for you. This This was all done for you. And I think for an Asian, this is an interesting spot to be in because this is hitting, I think, Black Americans much harder. This, this sort of normative demand um, by liberal culture, whereas Asians have largely been sort of ignored or a lot of people consider Asian guys white. Most Asian guys I know don't really understand, they don't really know the woke culture that well, and so they're, you know, they're saying unwoke shit all the time. And so I think in a way it's not really targeting us, but more and more I think it's drawing people in. But I, I think it would be an interesting to see what an a- Asian people uh had to say about this. Uh Asian American people. You know, like what 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 are our what are our views on this woke culture stuff, right? Like, does anyone think to ask? Because I, I get I get the feeling like I can understand Black people uh, woke activists attacking Asian people for speaking out of line. Okay, fine. You know, we're 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 novice POC. Okay, I get it. Whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm interested. To, I think a lot of white liberals would start attacking Asians to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say that. You're POC. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you know, like. Uh, so anyway, I, I just think it would be interesting to see where it goes, and I've been a lot more curious about that lately than yeah. you
1: know. So. Actually, um, probably the the most uh, quote unquote. Problematic Asian American out there, David Cho. He has a new show on Hulu. Um, surprisingly, oh, right. has gotten yeah. very good reviews. I, I thought mm-hmm. he, people would just like cancel him, uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's worth checking out. See if he he's uh, has it is allowed to say anything. Particularly, I interesting? think
0: so. I, I think if he does, I, I suspect it's because a lot of uh, white men um, sort of like it when Asian men sort of push back on world well, culture. So, sort of like if you if you watch, I think an example of that was was when Aziz got half canceled uh for um being a bit of a sex pest on his date. Um when he got half canceled, um he came back rather quickly, you know, before anyone else did, before like, you know, Louis C.K. tried to or, or whatever. And here he is, is this little brown dude on stage, little brown Asian dude, unassuming, not harmful, clearly POC, uh, pushing back on the the sort of excesses of Me Too. And I think he was able to say what a lot of white men wanted to say about it, but weren't allowed to. Uh, Here you've got this sort of, you know, harmless looking Asian guy uh, on stage speaking up against it. And um, you see a lot of white male support for that. I thought that was a pretty interesting. dynamic that was going on yeah
2: here. he literally has a moment in his show where he's like white people give yourself a pat on the back yes you're
0: trying yeah you're doing yeah trying. i thought that that yeah you're i really thought trying. that comedy special i think i think he thought that through i think he's savvy enough to understand the dynamic there yeah um and i know like he's
2: the kind of neurotic uh you know kind of guilty and kind of feel a little guilty but mostly just uh, just kind of hating this woke shit going down white guy yeah
0: yeah yeah so i think i think that's interesting yeah i'll definitely check out dave cho's show and see what
1: that's about yeah if it's interesting maybe we can we can do a pod about it yeah
2: i mean in the long run of history right like that's that's been my particular thing um especially recently like taking long like very long views of history uh and then like just trying to see like okay what's uh, if people like 20 30 50 years from now maybe um if they want to try to get a sense for what went down now in this era where would they go right Uh, The most accessible, uh, assuming like total nuclear meltdown doesn't, doesn't nuke all our servers, right? (laughs) It would probably be stuff like media, right? Like reruns of shows or movies or something like that. Um, And I see something really insidious going down, which is a whitewashing of history or whitewashing of the current, even whitewashing of history, one and whitewashing of the current social moment. Uh, right. Like England was a, was actually an interesting uh, example for me because they passed, I don't know if they, they, uh, how it's been going. It's been a couple of years, I think. Uh, they passed a requirement that saying that saying that like all productions, uh, th- uh, all English productions need some quota of uh, POC representation in them. Um, so you see, so this is, I think this is the genesis of like the, the race bent historical dramas, right? Um because that's just a legal requirement if you I, I i I don't think it's just stuff that's filmed in England I think if it's an English production company even even overseas you're still bound by these rules uh, so now you're seeing a lot more and just the general you know spirit of the moment you're seeing a lot more inclusion of uh, people of color uh, but but in like historical context where it doesn't really make a lot of sense um I think there's a there's a there's a way to look at this that signals that this um people were more tolerant than they are and that history was kinder than it was
1: yeah if you, it's not uh, an just, accurate
2: representation of anything going down now
1: yeah if if you're if you're correct in that the, the shadows move to the internet yeah it's maybe the, the maybe they're, they'll just want to wipe out the internet or yeah, yeah the internet got so big no one will be able to find anything there anyway the only thing that's left is this um Movie or show, and then it would make sense from a propagandistic point of view. It's easier to propagandize netflix or or h b o than to propagandize the internet, which you have very little control over
2: uh yes, I mean, so somebody like fifty years from now who wants to kind of get a sense for i don't know maybe like like I just want to know what, what kind of milieu my grandparents lived in and were young in uh i want, I want to see that or smoking um, crater
1: they, that is America
2: yeah, I mean, but the media wouldn't show that. And in fact, it kind of looks—it kind of looks nice. Everyone seems kind of rich. Everyone has excellent skin, uh, and everyone seems to be in in perfect harmony. That's the danger of good representation, even. So, pushing for good representation is actually a historical whitewashing, but in and of itself. So you see these mm-hmm. shows and these movies where everyone is uh is getting along, no one's really no one's really, you know, in deep conflict or struggling all that much and this is this is our most uh, this is our most popular stuff here. So the stuff that's most likely to survive into into uh future years, right? And if you look at something made now about stuff hundreds of years ago, um and it's race bent, what the hell is that going to look like? It's going to look like England one of the primary architects of the transatlantic slave trade had a fucking black queen?
1: Yeah, oh, well, yeah, that's Bridgerton for you, yeah.
2: Right? So what's the impression someone's going to have 50 years from now of what this, what this moment was? Do um, you know what I mean? So pushing for good representation, I think, is, is actually uh, wiping out true, truth of what things actually were and are right now. I think,
0: they, I think they think it is, but I think ultimately this is just constructing a, a, a wall that's ultimately going to topple from its own weight. There's only so this much is gonna, of this to Reality is going to yeah. reassert itself at some point, and I think it is already, and I don't think we can take much more of this bullshit. I think we have a a, a culture crash coming. Uh,
1: apparently, Netflix is uh, losing subscribers much more so than they're like admitting. So, I mean, people that's a good sign that's happening. People don't want this shit.
0: They don't want this stuff,
1: okay? like
0: I don't know um mm. anyway i I know we wanted to keep this one uh i I know some of us have a uh, rather brisk
1: do, hour yeah so brisk I, hour. Think...
0: I thought this was a really good conversation sorry folks if if uh we didn't have a totally clearly defined topic and we just kind of thought that this this Asian surgeon story was a funny jumping in point but I, I I had a really good conversation. I really enjoyed sort of the way you guys were the way you two were sort of uh, teasing apart this stuff and and um I don't know, I feel like we've been going down similar paths lately about. Um, the nature of media and um, uh, you know the way the, the way we're repre- the way the way we're represented in it and kind of what that means, right? So um, I thought
1: this, this was yeah good, good convo. Yeah. I, it.
2: I think right. thinking about yeah. that kind of reshaped how I see like Plan A. I think I was a bit unfocused for a while, but if it's if I see it as like uh, doing doing my bit to leave an accurate record of what I what I feel is happening in this current moment uh that makes that that's that's meaningful to me i think Mm -hmm.
0: yeah cool all right well thanks for uh thanks for listening everyone and we'll be back next week with another episode
1: yep keep enjoying your summers everyone hope you're having a good one all right right. bye everyone